Sometimes I just hear the Lord saying, get on that mic and help some of my people. And today is one of those days. I'm glad that you've tuned into this episode of Mavericks and Misfits for you first time listeners. My name is Jeff Lyle and I get to be your host and your teacher and uh, just blessed to be a citizen of the everlasting kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Lord, unashamed, uh, undiminished, undiluted, Uh, At this point, unwavering, may the grace of God keep me in that place of an unwavering faith. And um, man, I'm telling you, I'm so grateful just to be born again. I'm so grateful to be saved. It's not merely that I'm glad I'm going to heaven when I die. That is a beautiful byproduct of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you get to be in paradise with him forever. But that's not really just it, man. <laughs> like I, I want to tell you, I'm really, really enjoying walking with God now. Like I'm really, really enjoying um, being a Christian in this season of life where you and I are living in a world that is so hostile to the things of God and, you know, so opposed to truth and so literally aggressively um, railing against all that you know we value as followers of Jesus. Um, I'd, I'm glad we live in a time like this because it makes the the assignments and the purpose of of God Almighty over our lives it makes them all the more crucial and important. Um, like we have work to do, Christian friends. We have mission to fulfill, my brothers, my sisters. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to rest when I get to glory. I, I can't wait. I'm going to rest forever and ever and ever. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be everything that, you know, we've longed for and believed for by faith. But now is not that time. It is not the time to kick back, you know, put your arms behind your heads, throw your feet up and, you know, just watch sunrise after sunrise waiting for Jesus to come back. Come on now. Um, This is the season, this is your only opportunity to sacrifice, serve, live, and, you know, press in and endure by faith. You'll never have another opportunity to make much of Jesus by faith, because when all this is wrapped up down here, there won't be any faith needed, and your opportunity to, uh, you know, lay your life down, take up your cross daily, serve him. Uh, advance the gospel, love people well, introduce people to Jesus, help people along their own journeys. All that disappears. Like people don't get that, man. Like this is it. You have a blink of an eye called life to do what you're called to do by faith for the glory of Jesus. And what's crazy is if I can intrude upon, you know, the hectic, chaotic reality of a distracted world. Um, let me just intrude there and say, Christian friend, everything you're doing right now with your life has eternal reverberations. Like the eternal reward system that Jesus talked a lot about, that Paul wrote about, like that's real. And however it works, we don't understand all the particulars, but we do understand enough based on what Jesus said and what Paul wrote and not just Paul, some of the other writers. Uh, in scripture, we, we understand enough to glean this, how we live our lives from the moment of our salvation until the day of our death is the determining factor of the inheritance that we receive at the end of the age. So you've got to realize, yes, all saved people go to glory and spend eternity with Jesus. But there's this thing coming up called the kingdom the millennial kingdom, a thousand years on earth at the end of the tribulation, 
<laughs> and Jesus Christ is returning to this planet to set up an actual kingdom. And he says, we are going to rule and we're going to reign with him. And the reality is that how you rule and reign, your capacity and the a thousand year reign, your position in the eternal kingdom is being determined right now. Like you're determining what you're going to be and how you're going to function in the eternal, I mean, excuse me, in the millennial kingdom. There's no escaping it. The degree to which you are entrusted with authority and power and rulership in the kingdom is being determined by how you're living right now. And guess what? Not everybody's going to get a trophy. <laughs> People are going to be shocked, especially 21st century Western Christians. They're going to be shocked when they find out that because they didn't live at a high level of sacrifice, a high level of intentional living their lives for gl the glory of Jesus Christ, that they didn't give, they didn't serve, they didn't witness, they didn't pray, they didn't sacrifice, they, they didn't pour into the kingdom. They're going to be shocked when the millennial reign comes and Jesus says, well, I'm glad you're here, but uh, you've got no reward. And so like, get, get into that, like start thinking about what am I doing with my life? And this isn't condemnation, friends. I, I have no idea who's listening right now. I don't know what you're doing. You may be killing it. You may be crushing it. You may be running circles around, you know, every other Christian because you're so in love with Jesus. That's great. But some of you that are listening, you just like, well, I go to church. Well, you know, I mean, I love God, you know, I'm. I don't mind giving every now and then, and, you know, I, I serve at my church once a week and listen, there's nothing wrong with that stuff, but the, the Western view, the modern Western view of the kingdom is you do your kingdom stuff on Sunday and you just find your little slot and you do that and that's kingdom while not taking anything away from those of us that serve on Sundays, I want to just tell you, man, it's supposed to be eating you up. Like the zeal for the glory of the Lord is supposed to be eating you up. It's not supposed to be something you trivialize or, you know, you dabble in. It's supposed to be just so like righteously um, engulfing your spirit in holy flame that that like you you wake, eat, sleep and breathe Jesus. And quite frankly, I know that sounds radical to a lot of people. But the problem is, is it was normal in the first century. The early church, this, that was normal. That was what Christianity was. And because we're so subnormal now, what seems, um, you know, like radical that that used to be normal the today's radical used to be the norm and because we're so far away from the norm that subnormal christian living now seems radical and so anyway that's just my introduction to the podcast today to say hey man it's good to be a believer don't send yourself flowers quit feeling sorry for yourself we've all had hard you know places in life we've all been hurt we've all been wounded we've all been you know we've got scabs we've got scars and how long are you going to sit around and whine about that? How long are you going to give yourself permission to be a perpetual victim while weeks, months, and years are passing you by? And, and the Lord's like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually giving you grace to where you don't have to live in that identity of the worst thing that's been done to you. You can actually live in the identity of the best thing that's been done for you. So you get to make up your mind. Either you're going to live a subpar Christian life because of what's happened to you, or you're going to get just like gloriously on fire because of what's been done for you. Which one's bigger in your life? What Jesus has done for you or what people have done to you? And everybody's got to make that decision because the enemy sees fit that people do bad stuff to us. Like you, you show me a Christian that doesn't have scars. I'll show you a Christian who never has left the house. 
And I get it, guys. We all got church wounds. I'm a pastor, and I have church wounds. Like the, the, this year, especially, it was some of the deepest wounds I've ever had in in life and ministry from Christians. And you know what? I'm happy because what's been done for me completely eclipses what's been done to me. And if I will look at what's been done to me in the context of what's been done for me, what has been to, done to me actually serves to enhance what's been done for me. Because, you know, you get to partake with Jesus in those aspects of being at times mistreated, misrepresented, slandered, lied about all that stuff. And you get to enter into the fellowship of those kind of sufferings with him. So can I just encourage you, big boys, big girls, dry your eyes, go ahead and get blow that final little, little gasping snot out of your nose because you've been crying so long and get with it. You're wasting days, you're wasting hours, you're wasting years, you're wasting months. It's over. Move forward. God's got great things for you. Great, great things. He is the great thing. And with him come all the things that he has planned for you. And so you've got to... Uh, you know, you've got to make up your mind about who you are. You're either a victor or a victim. And dude, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm not going to be anybody's victim, especially not the devil's. Now, I'm thinking some of you are probably like, Jeff, you're coming off a little strong this morning, bro. <laughs> you're coming at us. We're just trying to get a little get a little enrichment off the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. And you're coming hard. Well, that's just kind of a, the only speed I know. Like you got a lot of people pat you on the head. Like there's thousands and thousands of TED Talk po- podcasts out there from preachers that'll tell you exactly what they want you to hear, so you'll feel good about them. So you'll keep coming back, and they'll keep spoon feeding you, but you won't grow. You won't be stretched. You'll you'll be the same in six months as you were, you know, on the day you started listening to these guys because you can't, you know, you can't have a, a spiritual diet off of artificial sweetener. And there's a lot of that that's going on. Um, if, if you think maybe this kind of talk is like a little over the top, let me just, let me give you a couple of things. Cause I actually have something I want to talk about today. And I've been thinking about this very issue of stunted spiritual growth. I've been thinking about, you know, Christians that are years and years into their salvation and are still addicted to the milk, the milky stuff of the kingdom. They don't know meat. They haven't learned how to chew. They just need to be breastfed constantly spiritually. And so they stay on the breast forever and ever. Give me more milk. Give me more milk. Let me just lay here and somebody feed me. Then somebody take care of me. Somebody change my diaper. Somebody put me to bed. Somebody answer my every scream and cry. And they're infants. And this is not an original thought with me because this is actually in your Bible. And it, it's, it's the apostle Paul's word plus Peter's word plus the writer of Hebrews word that they all address this stuff. So what do we do about stunted spiritual growth? What do we do about the reality that there's people in the kingdom that by this point in their journey, they should be much farther along. And it's not because, you know, that, that they're interested and they're just struggling to get further along. It's that they're not interested. It's that they have bought into the lie that all they've got to do is show up at church and that preacher up there will feed them, meet their needs, tell them that they're awesome, you know, constantly affirm them and, you know, just make them leave the church feeling great about them in their negligence, in their indifference, in their apathy, in their backsliddenness, in their lukewarmness. And there's so many ministries that are crafted to make that type of pseudo-Christian feel great about their pseudo-Christianity. 
And it's time, friends. We are like so close to this thing blowing up worldwide. The collision of the kingdoms. I was talking to my friend Roy Giese, Pastors Outreach Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And Roy and Patty are warriors. That's his wife. And they are warriors. And they've been through so much. And their journeys with Jesus have cost them. And they have lost much. And they've suffered much. And they're, they're a couple of the most joyful, determined warriors I know. And I was talking with Roy via text the other day. And we were both coming to this conclusion that the gray areas are being erased right now. Like the lines of demarcation between the 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 kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, there the blurred lines are getting erased. It's getting stark. Like lines are being drawn. People are choosing sides. You're going to see this massive distinction between what is of God and what is not of God. He God's just shining the spotlight on it. And Christians, this is your time to make up your mind: Are you real or not? Are you in this thing for serious? Uh, like, are you really, really in this? Are you dabbling in Jesus while you're really primarily a citizen of this world? And if, if you are serious about this, then I'm going to give you this word. Um, your stunted spiritual growth is no longer an option. It's time for you to get on a rigorous training and diet of, of the word of God and the truth of the kingdom and stop feasting on things that are just impoverishing your soul. Listen to this verse from Paul. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and so it's actually three verses, but in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, Paul's talking to Christians, Christians, not pagans, Christians at the church of Corinth. And he says, brothers, I cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for you are still of your flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? <laughs> that, that's pretty straightforward there, Apostle Paul. He, he says, you're not spiritual. They're Christians. I mean, please understand. He's writing Christians. He says, y'all aren't spiritual. You're fleshly. You're babies in Christ. He says, you're infants in Christ. He says, I've only been able to give you spiritual milk because you can't chew the solid food. You're still not ready for it. And it's because you're still in your flesh and your flesh is being shown because you're constantly living with jealousy and strife among yourselves. You behave as a human, not as a Christian. In other words, you just act in natural. Now, that's very confrontational and it's in your Bible. And, you know, the, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is a season where God is raising up some nameless and faceless messengers and they're, they're, they're getting up in our face and they're saying, you say that you're saved, but I want you to know you're carnal. You're living for the world. You're living for self. You're a snowflake. You melt at the, uh, the first sign of heat. You can't handle the slightest challenge. You, you're always saying, it's not safe for me. It's not safe for me. My goodness, what did you sign up for? What in the world did you sign up for? Who said Christianity's safe? What's safe about picking up your cross, denying yourself daily, following Jesus, being willing to lay it all down? What is safe about that? My goodness, where in the Bible does it tell you that the goal of the Christian life is to find out a nice, sweet, safe spot for you? It's crazy talk. It, people, it's so, it's so Dr. Phil. It's so you know worldly that people don't even hear what they're saying anymore. 
And it's the, it's because of these pseudo teachers that are talking about, it needs to be conducive. It needs to be comfortable. It needs to be safe. It needs to make sense. It needs to be manageable. You need to be able to be in full control. It shouldn't cost you anything. It should never risk anything. That's so not the Bible. That's not Christianity. But these are people that have been on the spiritual breast. They've been spiritual breastfeeding. They're 15 years old in the Lord, and they still haven't been weaned off the milk of what it means to be Christian. Paul's saying, if you would wean yourself off the spiritual breast and stop longing to be cradled and coddled and cuddled while you just sip on that sweet milk in the warm bosom of your, you know, your spiritual mama, and if you would just push back from that and sit down at the table, there's some good meat out there. Yep, you'll have to work at chewing on it. You'll have to cut it up. You'll have to feed yourself. You'll have to show up when it's time to eat. There may be some gristle. There may be some bone. But you're going to learn how to chew. You're going to learn how to feed. You're going to have to learn how to cook it. You're going to learn how to serve it. You're going to learn how to not only feed yourself but feed others. That's what Paul is saying. He says, but y'all ain't there yet. Y'all aren't there yet. You're looking around wondering, who's feeding me? Where, you know, where, where's, where's mama's breast? Where, where can I get up there and just nurse a little while? I want my milk. I want the warm, cozy bosom of my mama. And I want everything to feel safe. And I want everything to feel secure. And I want everything to be just so warm and cozy and awesome for me. Because I love milk. Now, forgive me, I am. I'm being a little provocative. I'm being, you know, a, a little cutting on this thing, confrontational on this. But, but listen, the reason why I'm saying it at this level is because there's a thousand, a million voices saying the exact opposite. And some of you are like, this is an awakening moment. If you're listening to Mavericks and Misfits regularly, you know what to expect. Because I don't want to be another voice in your life that tells you lies. That tells you over and over again, reinforcing that the kingdom's all about you. I, I don't want to be the, the, the another voice that leaves you unprepared for when the real battles are coming and you're looking for, for a breast to, to drink on because you don't know how to eat the meat and you're not going to be fit for the battle because you're milky. And so Paul, I'm just mimicking what Paul's saying. I'm just, I'm an echo of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3. Now, what, what's interesting is Peter, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, 2, why we needed the milk. So it's not that milk is bad. Then 1 Peter 2, 2, look at what Peter says. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into salvation. Did you get that? Peter says milk makes sense for newborn spiritual infants. It's true in the natural and it's true in the spiritual. But man, I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm not trying to be, you know, irreverent. But if you got a 14-year-old that's still trying to breastfeed in the natural, everybody knows something is wrong. Something's wrong with that 14-year-old and something's wrong with that mama that would even dare to allow a 14-year-old to nurse. See, we get it in the natural, but in the, in the, in the kingdom, in the spirit, we, we see no problem with somebody that's been saved five years, 10 years, 15 years, and it's still all about them. Like it makes sense for a newborn to want and need milk. So milk is not bad. It's just meant for the immature. And, and, and it's not that you, 
you forget the milk or you forget the first principles that you learn in the kingdom. It's not that you forget them. It's that that you build upon them. That's why Paul says that by the pure spiritual milk, you may grow up. There you go. So the stunted spiritual growth for people that have been saved for a year, five years, 10 years, and they're not out of diapers yet. I don't care if that sounds insulting. It needs to be said. Our churches are filled with people that are babies, that it is all about them. And they are, they are indulged and enabled by a paradigm of spiritual leadership that it says, yes, it is appropriate for you to always nurse, always be bottle fed, have others change your diapers, let others take care of you. Because that's, I mean, there's a certain type of leader that loves to be needed. It's so wholly dysfunctional that, 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 that we have leaders that need to be needed. They need to be the primary go-to person. They, they must be the one that meets all the needs. And so what they do is they draw people that love to have their needs met. And so that you've got these the entire churches and systems of, of supposed kingdom ministry where, where it's, it's completely adolescent, it's immature, it's infantile, and you've got a bunch of people that'll flock to places like that because they know that they'll be coddled. They know that all their needs will be met by somebody else. They know that they can be the center of attention. And then you've got this, these dysfunctional, you know, you know, hopefully they don't see it. I'm hoping that maybe they don't see it, but there are some that see it and they say, they just basically like, no, I want people to need me. I'm like, people aren't supposed to need us. We're all replaceable. We are all expendable. Guess what? We're all non-essential in the grand sense of the word. People need Jesus. People need the son of God. People need to learn how to depend on him. People need to learn how to be one-on-one with him. People need to learn how to stand if nobody stands with them and know that Jesus will be with them. The goal of spiritual leadership is not to increase people's dependence upon us. It is to increase people's dependence upon Jesus because he'll always be there and we won't. And so Peter is saying, you know, Paul's saying the same thing. He goes, you, you guys are a bunch of babies. You're of your flesh. You think you're spiritual. I can't even talk to you like spiritual people, but I'm going to, I'm going to dumb it down. I'm going to give you some little, you know, goo, 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 ga, 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 because I got to talk to you on your level. He goes, I I gave you milk in hopes that you would grow into spiritual food, but you're not ready for it then. And you're still not ready for it because you're in your flesh. You behave in a human way. And then Peter said, yeah, the milk was supposed to get you unto growing up into salvation. And then if you thought those two were hard, (laughs) how about Hebrews chapter five? Just listen to these words, Hebrews chapters, uh, chapter five, verses 12 through 14. And again, you got Paul talking about the milk. You got Peter talking about the milk. Now you got the writer of Hebrews talking about the milk. Listen to what he says. This is your Bible. This isn't Jeff ranting. This is your Bible. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's still a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Come on, somebody. Makes me want to shout right there. 
I love it, man. I love uh, confrontational Bible verses. Because when I read these, when I'm reading them first, I'm not reading them for you. I'm reading them for me. I'm like, where am I? How have I responded to my difficulties? How have I responded to my disappointments? How have I responded to mistreatment? How have I responded to catastrophe and, and tragedy? How have I responded to all of the things in life that war against my soul? Well, if I'm milky, then I just look for the closest spiritual breast to nurse on. And, and just give me milk, give me milk, give me milk. Mama, give me milk, give me milk, give me milk. Somebody change my diaper. Somebody put a bottle in my mouth. Somebody hold me. Somebody make me feel safe. And listen, I'm not diminishing the fact that there are, you know, I'm, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that there aren't times where we need compassion and we need comfort and we need some relational capital invested in us. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about people who live their lives constantly with ne'er a thought that they should have grown up by now spiritually. Age does not mature you spiritually. I know some people, man, I've seen them lately that are in their 50s that are babies. They're babies. How do you know? Oh, just touch one of their toys. Just take something from their hand. You ever seen that when the natural little kid is holding on something and mom or dad or some, you know, somebody else tries to take something out of their hand and they pitch a tantrum and a fit? That's a spiritual baby. It happens in the, in, in the kingdom too. So the writer of Hebrews says this, hey, by now you should be teachers. Now just get that. There is an assumed progression in spiritual development. It's assumed by scripture that when saved people continue their journey, they mature. They mature in the word. That's what Hebrews 5 is primarily about, maturing in your understanding and discernment of what is true via the word. So he says, you ought to be teachers by now. You should actually be leading people and feeding people. You should be dispensers of the milk and the meat. He says, but you're not. And you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. In in other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, at this point, you should be leading people. You should be the provider. You should be the one who's investing. You should be the one who's sacrificing. You should be the one who is pouring into others but you're not there yet. And because of that, the writer of Hebrews says, you need somebody to take you back to square one. You didn't even get the benefit of the milk when you were getting the milk. You're still wanting the milk, but you haven't gotten the intent, the initial benefit of the milk in the first place because you're not matured at all. He says, everybody who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's still a child. That's not flattering. That's not affirming. That, that doesn't make people feel awesome about themselves. Hey, you just told me I'm not where I needed to be. Well, thank God. How else are you ever going to get where you need to be if somebody tells you, if somebody doesn't tell you, you're not there yet. And so those that live on milk, they're unskilled in the word. You got a lot of people in churches and a lot of people in leadership that think because they've been around a while that they're mature and they're not. They don't even understand the basic kingdom principles. They've got like nine verses that they live their life by and they don't understand the whole counsel of God. Therefore, they live these teetering lives that are so out of balance and so self-focused. And so you've got to get the meat. You've got to become one of those people that's skilled in the word of righteousness. And he says solid food is for the mature. Now, again, don't hear that by saying, well, yeah, that's just the solid foods for the super Christian. 
No, we're all supposed to be in some sense super Christians in the sense of being mature. You're supposed to be there. It was never the Lord's intent to save you and leave you in diapers until he comes again. There's supposed to be progress in your life and my life, and we are supposed to be mature by now. Some of you, listen, I don't know who you are, so don't, I can't know who you are. I'm talking into a microphone, but some of you that are listening, you are self-focused. It's all about you. You have a handful of excuses that you recycle, and, and, and they're your excuses about why you aren't the person you could have been by now. You've got all of this list of things, why it's so hard and why people have done you so wrong and why you shouldn't be expected to be mature. Well, I'm just going to tell you, repent, repent, you know, crucify your excuses. They were handed to you by the devil. Quit thanking him for it. Start saying in the name of Jesus, I'm not dead yet. I haven't been martyred yet. I haven't been incarcerated for my faith yet. They haven't stripped me of everything that is, you know, external in my life because I'm a Jesus follower. So somebody didn't talk to you at church and somebody didn't put your name in the bulletin and you didn't get that ministry promotion and you didn't get, you know, affirmation from your spiritual leaders. Guys, you, you that are in your 20s, I want to tell you something. Quit trying to nurse on the breast of constant affirmation. It's not your spiritual leader's job to constantly affirm you. That means if you're needing it from your leader at a constant rate, that means you're not receiving it from the Lord. And it's not because the Lord's not offering it to you. It's because you're not pressing into the word of God and you're not pressing into the God of the word and you're living off of some human spiritual breastfeeding kind of expectation. And the Lord's like, Hey, There's more than the bottle. There's more than the breast. There's actually a powerfully spread buffet full of meat. And it'll do your soul good. All right, so my time's up, man. I loaded your wagon today. I hope you'll keep coming back because I'll load it again next time. Look, I'm not mad. People mistake my intensity for anger. I'll let you, when I get mad, I get quiet. Did you know that? Like when I get mad, I, I just don't talk, but I don't, uh, my intensity is not anger. My intensity is my Holy spirit born response to the apathy, to the lack of clarity, to the indecision and to the, the, the prevalent commitment it just seems like a commitment, whether it's intentional or not. It just seems like it's it's reinforced in the in the American church. This commitment to allow people to feel righteous in their stunted spiritual growth. And I'm not going to be another one of those people that just tells you it's okay for you to live as a perpetual adolescent or infant in the kingdom. We need women and men of God, sons and daughters, not babies. And I know for a fact that if people didn't challenge me in my life, if I wasn't challenged by the word, if I wasn't challenged by the Holy Spirit, if I didn't have some leaders in my life that have permission and they have effectiveness in speaking like confrontationally in my life, I wouldn't be near where I am today. And so I hope you've developed an appetite for it. And um, I hope if you have, you'll just keep coming back. So my time's up today. Um, If you want more resources, don't forget transformingtruth.org. 
go to transformingtruth.org and you can have access to everything that I put out both by um, teaching and writing. Um, you can also, of course, um, go to our YouTube channel, look for either Jeff Lyle or Transforming Truth on YouTube. You can watch videos there. There's the Transforming Truth app. Everything we put out, include this, including this podcast, is on the free Transforming Truth app. It's the kind of the one-stop shop for all the resources we put out. And if you're interested, you can get a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go, um, a book that'll help you in your journey with Jesus. And it's got a lot of my testimony written in it. It's all about overcoming and pressing in and refusing to play the victim. And uh, that book will bless you. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it at transformingtruth.org. Um, and again, it, and listen, find a church where there isn't the mindset of um, the type of leadership that says, I need to be needed. Therefore, I'm going to meet all your needs and come, come all you needy. Let me meet all of your needs. Guys, oh. I pray that the Lord will topple that kind of mindset in the kingdom. I pray that leaders will start pointing people to Jesus and getting out of the way. If people need me more than they sense their desperate need for Jesus, I'm a failed leader. Because one of these days, those leaders aren't going to be here. And there's going to be a whole lot of people saying, what do we do? The one we needed most is dead and gone. And in the meantime, we could have spent years saying to those people, no, the one you need most was dead and lives again, and he's sitting on the throne in heaven, and he's calling your name. Time is gone again. I've said it three times. This time I mean it. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.